This podcast was recorded on the Gadigal land of the Aora Nation and on Ngunnawal and Ngambri country. This land was stolen and never ceded. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians and elders past and present, and we acknowledge the power of truth-telling and voice in preserving the oldest living culture in the world. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Clea. And I'm Ava, and you're listening to the Bimbo Industrial Complex. Let's let's get into the zone. It's been a long day. Welcome to podcast land. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you could join us. For some heavy duty ASMR. The topic that we're going to be covering today is scammers. Yeah. Soothing, soothing sibilance of scammers. Because (laughs) the proliferation of scams in the culture lately, like, why has every Netflix documentary for the last like two weeks been scam related? I know. And it, I was thinking, trying to think through how long it's actually been because I'm like, there have been so many scam documentaries, but it actually, yeah, you're right. It's been like a month. Yeah. But I'm wondering if like the Tinder swindler just did really well. So they were like, quick. Like, let's release all these scam documentaries like that we've had in the pipeline. They're probably up to some mm. kind of mischief like that. Yeah, they probably are. I wouldn't put it past them. But should we start with what are your hot girl scam related wrecks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you like to go first? You can go first. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, obviously inventing Anna because... She's like Anna Delby is the OG scamstress. She's waifcore. She's like, I don't know. I feel like she was friends with, you know, some some crazy people. She was really out here being an elite scamstress and kind of a trailblazer, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And the show I thought was just like the perfect level of cheese and mm. watchability, like just cheesy enough to be good not too cheesy that's unwatchable my question is is it still worth watching if you know the story because I consume so much Anna Delby media yes yes still worth yes because I obviously like read the article when it came out at the time like we we love Anna Delby like and also like girl boss girl boss the religion like she's like a Mm. high priestess so I feel like, yeah, even if you have a lot, I had a lot of background knowledge on Anna Delby, but I watched it with my housemate who'd never heard of her. And so I think that was kind of good because it was like, yeah. And some some of it's quite fictionalised. Like there's some drama and some romance that's been mm. fictionalised in there. So that's, I really liked. Um, also, obviously came to a very unfortunate end, but there was this podcast called Reply All. Um oh. Which was, I mean, there still like, is reply. All. Yeah, yeah, and actually, it's good still, but it's very sporadic. 
um and they had like a really awkward not awkward like it was actually illegal like union busting movement and like some issues with racism and things like that so I don't think I could continue to recommend them but um they have these episodes about some really elaborate and intense scams like one they literally go to India to a call center to like meet the people and then like yeah it gets completely out of hand I think some really good investigative journalism there and also the Sopranos I've been watching the Sopranos for the last month or Mm. so um if you know me in real life I have not stopped talking about it but they're always running like really funny and elaborate grifts in the Sopranos that make no logical sense like they'll just like buy the floor of an investment banking firm and like cheat their way through the investment banking license exam and then just like be investment bankers for like four episodes or like scam a guy into a sports store and like all this weird shit so yes now would you like to talk us through your scamification I would love to. So starting with a podcast, very fittingly, the podcast Sweet Bobby. I listened to it a few months ago, but I think it's a year or two old. It's basically just one of those classic like six episode deep dives into a really elaborate catfishing operation. Um, So basically like, you know, from the beginning that the girl that the story is about has been catfished and that's what it's about, but it kind of goes through like how it happens. And then, yeah, it's just, it's really fun. And it's a little bit like more lighthearted than maybe your Tinder swindler or the ones where Mm. they've lost like their whole lives, like savings, all that kind of thing. It's still very sad. Like it's really impacted this woman it happened to it's really impacted her life but she's very young you know she didn't lose much money so yeah Mm. it's kind of nice and then I also yeah it's like not too hectic where you'll like want to cry about it if you think about it too much Mm -hmm. um and I also love I just love like a heist scam movie as well. It's like one of my favorite genres, especially when there's like an unlikely team of misfits who are perpetrating the heist. Um, So a really embarrassing fact about me is Now You See Me, which is like the Jesse Eisenberg movie about magic is like one of my favorite movies and the sequel. It's kind of good though, the plot twist. It's like, it's just so good. I yeah. I just love being bamboozled. What can I say? Mm. And then also I care a lot, which is on Amazon Prime, I think. Have you seen it? No, but I did in preparation for this issue for this episode watch um a video of Joanne the scammer watching I care a lot. <laughs> so but can you just tell me what it's about? Because I don't is that about Elizabeth Holmes or is that different? No. So what it's about is it's got Rosamund Pike, who's from Gone Girl and who is amazing. And she plays a professional conservator. So you know how like Britney Spears was under a conservatorship? Yeah. There are lots of reasons why people can be put under conservatorships. And one reason is when um, for older people, like if they have dementia or something like that, they can be put under a conservatorship. Yeah. So basically Rosamund Pike plays a professional conservator for elderly people who basically 
sticks them in nursing homes and then like steals all their money. Um, Do they just like not just... have the public trustee in America? Not saying the public I... trustee is good, but like, do they just not have a body that? Honestly, they might have one because like the way that it's presented in this movie is she kind of like sells herself to like the people and like their families by pretending they can't take care of themselves. So it could be that they have a public trustee or some sort of similar system for that. But she like makes it seem like she's like caring for them almost. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really good. Um, Highly recommend. I'll have to get onto it. Yes. Question for the girlies. Have you ever fallen for a scam? No, but Clea and I both (laughs) at our place of work got sent this email that was like, fill out these details. (laughs) And then like it was kind of a weird email. Like, and then a week later it was like you you got scammed. Psych. That was like a test and you failed. It was a test like to see if you would get fished. And it was like from a weird, it was like from a person, like a staff member who like wasn't in charge of like what the email was about, asking you to like fill something out. But it was quite a high up staff member, which is why I did it. Because I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then a week later, they were like, that was actually a phishing test. And like lots of you passed, but lots of you failed. (laughs) Uh, yeah. yeah I haven't been like explicitly scammed but I'm surprised that I haven't been because every time I log into something it's like you have 68 compromised passwords and like mm. I will put my details into anything like yeah it's just like so but I have like it's just really a matter of time. expensive um but I have really expensive like scam protection because I love opening my spam emails and so I'm like one day I'm gonna open my spam email and it's gonna have like malware in it so I have like really good malware protection because I like I really want to sometimes I get emails from Wayne Buffett and I want to read them (laughs) fair enough you know and sometimes to read them you have to click the link freeiphone.net.com I don't know UK not even UK no it would be something weirder like KZ I love to read them um Mm. and I guess yeah if you've ever been scammed and it's like a story you feel like sharing you can tell us because we want to know yeah it's a safe space because like I would fall for a scam especially like I think I would quite easily get catfish like I think when I did most likely to with my friends once and it was most likely to get catfished I won yeah, I feel like out of the two of us, which one is more likely to be the scammer? Mm, I think I'm just so likely to be the scammed. Yeah, and I also like don't like doing naughty things, so I don't think I could do it. I'd like I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna scam you like Tinder Swindler style, and then I'd be like, I'm really sorry, like I didn't mean to. I know even if it was like a Robin Hood kind of stealing from the rich to give to the poor thing I reckon I'd still feel too bad Mm -hmm. 
So anyway, while we're on this topic of scam, scam, scams, what are some things that you think, because there's quite a few that you've listed here and I'm keen to get into it. What are some things that you feel like scams but are technically not scams? Um, Afterpay and any sort of like payday lender or things that let you like delay payments for things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you should not be buying in installments you know like when they were like you can now use it at pubs I was like no (laughs) like why do you need to afterpay a pint it's literally preying on vulnerable people and um you like you hear those horror stories of people who racked up like hundreds and thousands of afterpay debt like it's Mm. bigger than hex and also those, yeah, those ones that are like my pay now, like access your yeah. pay early. It's like, actually, it's just a loan with really high interest that you have to pay back when you get paid. So exactly. Yeah. I just think there's got to be a crackdown on them soon. Like it's very predatory lending. I don't know. I just. Oh, yeah. Not it's my bag. super unethical. Yeah. It's just. Like there are some things I understand that you get a loan for, like a house. You can't buy that all at once. But like if you can't buy your Princess Polly order outright, maybe that's something to think about. Like just don't fall into the trap of Afterpay. Although someone told me the other day that Afterpay gives you a good credit rating if you use it. And I was like, I just don't see that adding up. Like I feel like there's better things. Also, credit ratings aren't really important in Australia at all. Like in the US, you need to build credit if you want to get a home loan or whatever, but it's really not not a big thing in Australia at all. So don't worry about it, love. Okay, good to know. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I also have listed here just like Apple Care and any iPhone-related Apple products because they keep just making your iPhone come with less things and be so fragile that you have to pay for Apple care. And I hate it. Yeah. I have Apple care, but that's because I'm dumb. Like I spilled coffee on my laptop this morning. Like I, yeah, just, well, I, I, I just can't live without it. Apple pay, Apple care. <laughs> but yeah, it's so dumb. And like things just built to break. Like I feel like every time you have an Apple product after like three years of breaks, mm. And building everything with different, like, different ports so that you have to buy adapters to, like, plug things into each other. I think it's in the EU. They've either just passed legislation or they already have it. Um, But it's to do with, like, requiring standard, like, charging ports on devices and stuff. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. I also have here the Golden Globes um, and, you know, maybe we'll do an an award show episode at some point. Basically, (laughs) because the Golden Globes are run by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, it's a group of, like, it's around 100 journalists from, like, countries other than the US. And there's just, like, no... Like you don't necessarily have to be of a particular like journalistic standard or know a particular amount to be part of the Hollywood foreign press. And it's just like every year it comes out that the Golden Globes are so corrupt. Like when A Star is Born 
came out, Bradley Cooper like hand wrote every member um, of the Hollywood Foreign Press a card basically to try and be like, watch A Star is Born and give me the award for best actor. I mean, he's kind of just going after what he wants and can can we blame him for that? No, we can't. It's it's the system that's broken. And yeah, so when the Golden Globes was started, they were like, they just wanted like an important event. And so they just put it like before the Oscars mm. so that it, like people would see it as like part of the lead up to the Oscars and stuff. So, oh, it's so just it's a like major scam. Yeah. Jade Rollers, you've also got lifted here. I could get behind. I think I've talked about this on the pod before, but I read this article once where this person like Googled Gua Sha in Chinese and like they couldn't find any articles about it. Like it just, it's like a scam, like invented by. And not that like the entire practice itself is like not got roots in like China and in like the East, but it's just like been like bastardized for Glossier bitches and marked up so much also yeah yeah um nfts i feel like we don't need to expand on that we talk about that often full stop i've said it before i'll say it again blue light glasses are a fucking scam if you have blue light glasses you're being scammed and like stop congratulations our culture okay also what i think is a scam is like all that sustainable fashion full stop but also like things that are like recycled polyester or like organic cotton I'm like it was still made in like a factory where people who don't get fair wages and also like the fact that it's organic probably does nothing like other than like I don't know you having to pay like extra money for your organic certification that you could be paying to people to give them fair wages so yeah just anything organic and also Mm. once I was at what's it called Yahava and oh yeah the coffee place yeah and someone asked the guy if the coffee was fair trade and he was like fair trade is a scam um because like you just pay for the certification yeah they don't actually like check to see whether your product is fair trade so crazy I've also been seeing on clothes a lot like they'll have that thing where it's like this tag is 100% recycled materials or something like that to try and like basically make you think that the whole item is made from a recycled material and it's just or it will be like this tag used to be a plastic bottle or something like that and it's like okay like this tiny little square of fabric amazing that's kind of good marketing, though. Oh, it's very good. It's very smart. Mm. Scamming is smart. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we're, in, we're not endorsing scams. Yes, technically we are not. We, we don't endorse anything on this podcast, really, except for being pretty. And thinking critically. Yeah. The last few weeks, there's been a lot of discourse about bimbo feminism that I I think is like an aside for another time. But 
I just like listened to this podcast. This is a side note that what they where they were like roasting bimbo feminism because they were like, it's like you have to be pretty and dumb. But like here in the bimbo industrial complex land, like we're pretty and smart. Yeah, it's not like it's such a false dichotomy, you know. Yeah, bimbo you doesn't actually doesn't be need both. to mean dumb. You can reclaim the word. Yeah, you don't have to be smooth brain. Anyway, we'll put that back in our in our manifesto. But speaking of really smart, clever vibes, I think you've prepared this excellent history lesson for us in scamification. Scamification, yes. Let's go through the history of the scam or the con, which is short for confidence game, which I really like. It's really nice. Mm. And con man is short for confidence man, which is where mm. the band gets their name from. So love confidence man. Good for them. Good for them. Also, I just wanted to point out, I don't know why this occurred, but <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a Wikipedia page and it's like media about confidence games or media related to confidence games or whatever. And Zootopia is like listed as a movie about like scamming and cons and I just I I mean I may have forgotten the whole movie but I'm like pretty sure that's not what it's about but anyway to be I haven't seen it so I can't confirm but lol I think there's like some like you know local government corruption in there but I don't think corruption and scams I just always like associated it with furries I mean that too, but that's not a scam. That's a that's a hate crime, you know. Yeah, I feel like there's probably scamming in Boss Baby. Oh, absolutely. Let's one day do like a Boss Baby deep dive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, so the term confidence man has been around since 1849, and the idea of being a scammer by trade kind of originated there, but there were lots of people throughout history who have been massive scammers. And there are some scams that have been around for hundreds of years and that people are still falling for, like three card Monty. Do you know that game where it's like you have three cards and you have to follow the queen Mm -hmm. or sometimes, you know, there's, three cups and there's a ball yeah, the underneath ball one and of the, the cups. cups and like in our year 2022 people are still making money doing three card monty tricks like read a book watch one episode of a tv show don't play cards with a random person on the street like you're gonna lose every time but what if i'm the one who can win i can fix him and he is the three-card Monty dealer. <laughs> he was the three-card Monty dealer. I was gambling addict. <laughs> I was not like other girls. Yeah. I could find the queen. Yeah. yeah, my individuality complex would have me thinking that I could, honestly. And then there's just so many great scammers throughout history that we'll talk about. One particularly iconic early scammer was a guy called George C. Parker and his scam was selling the Brooklyn Bridge and other like huge artifacts in New York City. 
So he would like create these fake deeds that said like he owned things like the Brooklyn Bridge, the Statue of Liberty, the MoMA, all of this stuff and sell them to people for obviously huge amounts of money Mm. and then just like disappear and he got away with it so many times like obviously he was caught eventually that's why we we know all about him but he managed to do it so many times and like people would fully think they owned the Brooklyn Bridge they'd send workers out to construct like a toll booth on the bridge to charge people for going across and the cops would be like oh babe no you don't own this that's so funny and sad yeah and so I couldn't really find that much on why people actually become scammers and all the pop culture I feel that we're going to discuss would suggest that it's because people are either narcissists or sociopaths or both but I don't know and yeah I think like what you said here like sometimes you can just like make one small mistake and then to cover it up you like end up in this like massive web of lies and like and turns into like yeah full-blown fraud because like there's there's a point where you can make like an innocent mistake or just Mm. like a misrepresentation or forget something and yeah by then if it gets out of hand can become like full-blown fraud exactly but yeah I think that's like an interesting point about the ethics of fraud and scamming and things is usually like at least when it begins there isn't like an initial ethical dilemma of like am I hurting people or not because either yeah you're a narcissist and you don't feel empathy for people so you have no ethical dilemma because you have no morals Mm. or exactly that situation it might be something where it seems really innocuous and like it doesn't harm anyone. Like say like lying about your income on a home loan application could be something like as simple as that to start off with. And it doesn't seem like it's affecting anyone. And then by the time where you get into the territory where you may be facing like a major ethical dilemma, you're kind of in too deep to, to go through that decision process, I suppose. Mm, exactly yeah but I'm interested in your opinion on scams and the law because I feel like the word scam to me is like fun light-hearted but most scams are kind of like at least criminal adjacent if not criminal right yeah like they're legal but the problem is that like a lot of times like scams it can be really hard to get your money back if you get like grifted Mm. especially by like a telly scammer and it's because like Mm. so many scams that come from outside Australia um where it's like really difficult to like find um or get your money back and like there's there's cases where you can but it's like it's very variable in like yeah whether you can get your money back um And that's kind of compounded on the fact that like scammers tend to prey on like more vulnerable members of society, particularly elderly people. And like, I can't really Mm. claim to be like an expert on this, but it seems to me like there's really high standards of like the limit where like the law will step in and say like you weren't 
like conscious or capable of like understanding the situation like if you're just a little old lady and like you get scammed it's like boohoo but like you you kind of made that decision like you still had Mm. some kind of autonomy in it if you had that will and there's like a whole doctrine of law about like preying on um people like vulnerable people or people with what we call like a special disadvantage um called unconscionable conduct but I wanted to talk about this one case because I found it really fascinating it's called Wu and Ling and it was in the New South Wales Supreme Court I think is the highest it got but it's crazy because it was like a man and a woman and I they were like friends but I think they had a kind of different relationship and she was like falling for like one of those like internet fraud scams like send me money scams and the the friend like loaned her money like knowing that she was like it was like it would be like if I was like to you clear can you give me fifty dollars that I need to send to my to Wayne Wayne Buffett he, he might in my spam emails <laughs> and you like you like you knew but then you kept giving me the money and yeah. Like they yeah they found that his conduct was like not unconscionable and like a lot of the discussion was about like even though she was like an older woman like about how she was a businesswoman and an entrepreneur and so like she should have known better and I just thought it was crazy because like that's like so rude to be like that's using her girl boss status against her my friend who really is you know falling for this scam send money now penis enlargement scam and you are just gonna (laughs) let them I just thought that was oh my crazy. God. Yeah, that is crazy. It also reminds me there's a recent episode of The Simpsons where Grandpa Simpson falls victim to a teller scam, and it's very good. You know, explores yeah. all the important issues. Oh, well, that's good. We do love to learn through The Simpsons, really and I guess do. that leads us to like probably one of the most um, prominent, endemic, proliferated ubiquitous pervasive scams which is like technology scams email scams and phone scams do you want Mm -hmm. to talk us through this scam let's do it so i mean on phone scams probably everyone in australia has had the late robotic this is the australian tax office you need to pay 10 million dollars in tax or you will be arrested kind of message those are always fun Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the most like, yeah, ubiquitous all around the world is called the 419 scam. It's also sometimes known as the Nigerian Prince scam, but obviously there's like hundreds of different variations on this. And it's basically where you get usually an email, but also sometimes a call from someone claiming to be very rich for some reason. So it could be they're a Nigerian prince, um, but all their assets have been frozen so they can't access their money. So they want to transfer it all to some nice person and you just need to pay a little upfront fee and then you'll get all the money, that kind of thing. Um, So what I was really interested in is this scam can be traced back to the 1500s. And back then it was known as the Spanish prisoner scam. So it's basically like the exact same conceit. 
So conmen based in Spain would send letters to merchants in Britain. In the letters, the con artists would claim to be in communication with a British aristocrat in prison in Spain on false charges. Explaining that the prisoner's identity must remain confidential, the con artists would swindle victims out of funds, claiming that they would be used to free the wrongly imprisoned aristocrat. The con artist would promise financial reimbursement once the aristocrat was freed and also a reward in the form of marriage to the aristocrat's daughter. So people are just inherently bad. This is what this confirms to me. People are just evil and, like, we really think we're getting smarter over time and it's like, we're not. (laughs) We're exactly the same as we were. Mm -hmm. But it's also kind Uh, of nice, like, people are trusting yeah are you the type of person that is like trust until proven untrustworthy or untrustworthy until proven trustworthy i'm with people trust until proven otherwise what about you same but like i think it gets me in a lot of trouble yeah it's just being suspicious of everything is like exhausting sometimes yeah but obviously like hyper vigilance can be a reaction too life but yeah I just do be like just taking everyone at face value (laughs) when will we be it makes the world a simple place (laughs) probably as soon as this episode is released and someone realizes what easy marks we are yeah I love I actually love getting scam calls because I love to stay on the phone with them as long as I possibly can because it makes me feel like a champion of like saving like I'm like when they're on the phone with me they're not scamming other not people, on the phone I'll just keep them on the else. line for as long as I can yeah and you just never say the word yes because they can record you saying yes and play it back oh you're braver than than the marines than any <laughs> member of the air force once I watched you for your a, like, service. A deep dive <laughs> a deep dive video about like people who scam back the scammers and they like use this elaborate like technology to like work out where they live and stuff. It's kind of scary, but kind of baller. Mm. Also, like when you think about things like an email scam or a phone scam, the individual person that's calling you is really likely just like a, a low-wage worker. It's not like they're making insane amounts of money and masterminding the whole thing like technology scams usually involve like they're they're usually just like businesses like any other you know they've got some people at the top who make lots of Mm -hmm. money but Mm -hmm. honestly most of the people are and are earning an honest living you know yeah they're just doing their job yeah what about catfishing? I've never really watched the show Catfish. Oh my god! So I, I don't love have the show Catfish. I don't have the most iconic reveals, so you're gonna have to think of one. I think you can like Google like top, you know, iconic catfish moments. But my mm. personal favorite is the one where like basically this woman's name, this woman her name was Carmen, and she her cousin Antoine had like said like made really awful comments about her body is that the one who called her a fat ass kelly fry <laughs> yeah. that's the only it's episode it's... i've seen so good <laughs> i think it's like the most iconic and yeah she like and then she like scams him and at the end they have this like massive confrontation and like yeah 
it was crazy like I just am obsessed with it and she just got like I think it's just because sometimes like a lot of the times the reveals are like oh it was like this random man like this weird like random woman mm. who was like bullied and like you know they're kind of sad and like but the yeah. fact that this was just so petty and like so just like all that like to go to all yeah. that length and I think they were like sexting and stuff as well which is like so creepy because they were cousins oh yeah and there's like other crazy ones where like this guy like genuinely believed he was like dating Katy Perry um yeah and a lot of the times they're like repeat catfishes like they're people that catfish lots of people um, um yeah I yeah or like there's always famous ones as well, like people fall for it. They're like, those things are like, hi, I'm Shakira. I need money, waka waka. <laughs> God, I, I love revenge as a motive for catfishing. I was trying to work yeah. out, I'm like, would I rather someone catfish me for money or just catfish me to catfish me? And I couldn't really decide. For love, I think. <laughs> for love. Yeah. Um, um Caroline Calloway she deserves her own episode but do you want to give us like a quick like I actually that it's an oxymoron but can you give us a quick rundown of who Caroline Calloway is oh my so Caroline Calloway got famous in the early days of Instagram she was kind of the blueprint for some influencers. Um, basically, she was an American student living um, and studying at Oxford, and she had these really like long, kind of poetic almost captions that mm-hmm. she was known for, and people would love to like read her captions. That's why she was like so famous, even though she was an Instagrammer. And mm-hmm. then a couple of years ago, this story came out on the cut. A lot of like stuff also resulted like from this like she made money she got a book deal all this kind of stuff um and then a few yeah. years ago her friend Natalie wrote an article basically re- revealing that she was Caroline's ghostwriter and they'd had a huge falling out pretty much and that's why she'd written this big old article exposing her yeah yeah and I will say like this article I hate it like I hate the way it's written Cause it's mm. like, Caroline was blonde. I wore dirty I, Timberlands, and they're like, yeah, it's kind of lame in that again. Sense. But also, false like, dichotomies. Yeah, there is, but there's also a really good cut article about like Caroline Calloway's like version of TanaCon, like Calloway Con, and it was like a class, and she like promised every, she ordered like seventeen thousand mason jars. And she, could have fit them in her apartment <laughs> anyway I think I don't really know if Caroline Calloway is even smart enough to be a scammer but she's just crazy she's and she just was on mess she was on celebrity memoir book club like a while ago like defending um Lena Dunham Lena Dunham sorry Lena, <laughs> Lena Dunham's book like and her arguments were like well I actually didn't have an eating disorder, but like I still like had a food diary and I need my experience to be validated. And like the podcast hosts were like, no. Honestly, yeah. she is 
she is as yeah you're right it's almost like not intentional enough to be scamming in that I think she honestly like thinks that she can do all of these things yeah. and she just has convinced herself like oh my god I'm amazing obviously I can write a book I can have 17,000 mason jars for some reason and then it just all goes wrong like I don't know if it's intentional scamming it's just yeah arrogance because I feel like if you were like a really talented grifter like you wouldn't be out here ordering 17,000 mason jars exactly and then just one more iconic scam before we get into like Netflix and pop culture and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff although this was a Netflix documentary eventually is the whole college admission scandal. So when Laurie Loughlin and Felicity Huffman and lots of other rich people um, had to go to jail for paying like a college consultant Mm -hmm. to scam their children into good universities. Yeah, and like Photoshop their faces onto them doing rowing. Yeah. So embarrassing. That guy was, like, really good, though. He was very good at what he did, you know? Like, he convinced all these people as well that they they had to do it, otherwise their children wouldn't have gotten in. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, like, a really... I think when you get start to play with that level of money and those high stakes, like, that's when, like, this, like, morbid public curiosity that spawns these Netflix documentaries and come out because it gets so out of hand. I know. And just, like, as an aside, like, we've already covered this on our Girl Boss episode, but it just seems that, like, all, like, the most famous iconic scammers, like, are Girl Bossified. Like, yeah. I want to give a special shout-out to Belle Gibson. Um, oh, my God. Because, honestly, she's been on my mind lately. I hope she's well. Um, well, no, actually don't. Uh, Asina O'Neill. Um, yeah. Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, Holmes obviously. OG Girl Boss. Yeah. Yeah, and so many of our favourite scammers have been Netflix-ified. Yeah, I actually was watching Bad Vegan Mm. tonight. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. I've, like, read what it's about, and that's all. I'm very intrigued. I just watched, like, the first maybe two or three episodes. Mm. But it seems like it's less of a scam and more about like a very toxic, narcissistic, abusive relationship. So oh. I'd probably flag the content on that one. Like, That's because it seems like the woman who owns the restaurant is like being targeted by like, it's like really like intimate partner violence. But I, um, I haven't finished it, so I, I can't comment. Like maybe it flips around or something. But like, yeah, they caught her because she like ordered a pizza. She had a raw food restaurant. Oh. Yeah, it's really random. Crazy. But yeah, obviously, Tinder Swindler. Did you watch Tinder Swindler? I did watch Tinder Swindler. Loved Tinder. Well, it was scary, but. It was scary. I just feel like when I was watching it, I was like, first of all, like, I would never swipe right on a guy like that. He looks too clean. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, I'm like, literally, yeah. it's on you for that being your type. Yeah, like. I'm not gonna victim blame because like, it's really fucked up what he did, but like it wouldn't happen to me. I'd be like, you want to fly me in a private jet? Like, can you just like buy me my iHerb wish list instead? I, I would be so turned <laughs> off if someone's like, I want to fly you in a private jet. I'm like, stop being so keen. Like, 
embarrassing. Do you like not care about the environment? I only travel by train. Yeah, they'd like they'd like try and love for me in the beginning, and I'd be like, "This is a turn off. Like I'm not into you anymore." Feel different. Feel different. No, I loved my favorite bit about Tinder Swindler was like the girl who was just his friend and like got to go on all the trips and stuff. And she was just kind of, she was in the documentary because she like knew him while it was all happening, Mm. but like she never got scammed out of any money. She just like went on all the trips and she never had to date him either. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy that like the girl who was his like current girlfriend was reading the article and that like, he still has like a like he's still dating this like other people and like he's on Instagram now and he's like yeah I'm famous now like Tinder Swindler he like fully into it I know well it's the same with like the fire festival guys are fully like they've tried to capitalize off their fire festival fame to like start new businesses I'm like don't yeah, tell like people that you did fire fest yeah. they're like motivational speakers now like what went wrong <laughs> it's like oj simpson yeah and i i thought it was quite funny that they there was like a reference to the fire festival in um the in inventing anna but yeah and obviously inventing anna which we talked about at the top about anna delby i know it's just amazing to see how far people can get on just being really charismatic or just convincing like fire festival same with Anna Delvey like they had nothing to back it up at least with like tinder swindler it was kind of like a pyramid scheme like he actually did fly them on private jets he was just using like someone else's money to do it but Mm, like mm. fire festival it just there was just never anything and they managed to get like all these major bands signed on, all these celebrities promoting it. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. And I feel like every time you go to, like, an event, I don't know, I've been to, like, event planning things or, like, you know, you, like, do a workshop or, like, some random talk and they'll always be, like, the fire festival is what not to do. And it's, like, no shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, event planning is harder than it looks. Okay, guys? Yeah, just, like, don't organise conferences. Yeah. Oh, my God, you putting, like, throwback to Tumblr. Anyone who was on Tumblr in, like, what, 2014 maybe would remember DashCon yeah. and that whole event. DashCon. Oh, my God. Uh, there was, like, a, yeah, TumblrCon, like, TanaCon, all those cons. Like, like don't. Don't do don't that. try and don't try and build an event from a social media post made by fourteen year olds. Like step one in how not to it's be a It's like scam. making risotto on MasterChef. Like you just don't do it. Yeah, but I feel like the reason why you know inventing Anna the the dropout is that what the Theranos one is called Fire Festival. Yeah. Like, I feel like the reason that we all love these and we can enjoy them, like, very guilt-free is because it was mainly, like, rich and powerful people getting scammed. Mm. Like, Fire Festival, you know, there were some normal people, obviously, but a, a lot of it, like, a lot of it was rich people. Same with Anna Delvey and Elizabeth Holmes. Like, it was, like, 
Silicon Valley investors, socialites. And you know what? It's a bit of schadenfreude. Like sometimes it feels good to see rich people suffer. Whereas I feel like in the real, like the reality is that like most scams are like targeting like poor elderly people. And like, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's like almost a way for us to get it out in like, get out that morbid fascination, like without, yeah. Mm. But the people in Tinderswindler were like not rich, but yeah. Yeah. They obviously had certain degrees of privilege. Mm. I honestly think like these scam documentaries are one of the main things preventing class warfare from breaking out because like you just you know it's just your little bit of satisfaction being like oh karma it's the same thing as like I love it when I hear that rich people have bought fake art like I've linked some mm-hmm. article about Prince mm-hmm. Charles like accidentally buying a fake Monet and it's just like <laughs> classic and I there's, feel like the there's no doubt so in on this as well like like Michelle Duchamp um, just like drew his signature on a urinal and like salt. He was like, this is art. And like, yeah. it was kind of like a joke. Cause it was like, these people will like pay that, pay money for it, yeah. you know? Exactly. And obviously, yeah, there's heaps of fictional, you know, scam things. Yeah. But I feel like I was thinking through basically all the fictional scam con artists like movies and shows I could think of and basically all of them have the con artists as like either just outright heroes or anti-heroes like Mm. Ocean's Eleven, Wolf of Wall Street, Focus, Suits, Catch Me If You Can like there's so many vibe yeah but even like things like the Wolf of Wall Street like it's not really Robin Hood like it was just a guy ripping people off so that he could like take lots of drugs but for some reason you know the movie still makes you root for him which is really very interesting yeah and I think well yeah I think that's why I care a lot is good as well it's something a bit different in that like you're you're like in enjoying the scam and like all the trickery of it and like the planning and things but you want the scammer to get caught which is different I think from yeah most fictional media about cons yeah for sure but yeah I guess we should probably discuss why are we still falling for scams in this day and age because people be silly like I just feel like um yeah I just feel like people people just don't know like I feel like you need to have a certain level of financial and social literacy to like not Mm. be scammed yeah and I think as well I think it does come back to trust you know people people want to trust other people like it's so Mm. exhausting having to be cynical all the time like having imagine having to go through like every single tinder profile to be like let's look for the signs that this is fake or every single email that you received and like go through it with a fine tooth comb you know it's just at some point you have to decide to like trust people and definitely like what you've noted here about like intense emotions fear love like 
that pathos element of it is really strong like old people mm. um like all those like tax scams are really scary um yeah or like the ones where they're like you're going to federal prison like if you had if you didn't know like you know if you didn't have that level of of literacy like how like that could be terrifying you know yeah and it also I think like scams are really sophisticated in the way that they make whatever you have to like do or pay seem really small compared to either the upside or downside so like you know with a Nigerian prince scam oh well like I have to pay a hundred dollars but that I'm going to get $10 million. It makes the $100 seem really small. Or if it's like, oh, I have to go buy 10 iTunes gift cards or I'm going to prison. Like, of course, if that's your choice, you know, all those iPhone gift cards don't seem like that much, but it adds up. Hmm. Yeah. Do you want to tell us what sunk cost fallacy means? Yeah. So this is another like kind of logical principle that basically if we've already put money or time or effort into something, we value that more highly and we're more likely to continue to put time, money, effort into it. So if you have, if you're say, Ava, you're my long distance online lover and I've already paid $20,000 trying to get you like to get a visa, to get flights, to come and visit me. Um, then maybe spending like $1,000 more doesn't seem like that much because I'm like, well, I've already spent 20000 I may as well spend 1000 more. Mm-hmm. Or if you're my long distance partner again and everyone in my life has like warned me that you know you might be catfishing me and then I've alienated them all from my life and I only have you and I've invested all my emotion into you then I'm probably going to be more willing to like ignore signs that maybe you're a catfish because I've invested so much of myself into you Mm. and I love when like finance and economics can explain complex emotional um behavioral dynamics love that it's so fun and I think also like falling for scams is just basic psychology individualism like everyone thinks that they're the exception like I would never get scammed literally not me yeah but then maturity is realizing that you are like other girls like I am like other girls I am dead average and that's okay it's just good to be aware of um let's bring some more into intersectional analysis into this because obviously there's a huge class intersection and a huge gender intersection Mm -hmm. what about race yeah so I was just kind of going through like how we treat scammers basically who aren't white pretty much so there's also there's also a huge class element to it but there's a lot of examples of um, black mothers being jailed in the US for falsifying address records to send their children to better schools and for kind of like a really 
petty things that technically could be considered scams but really are really not hurting anyone and are done with very you know good intentions mm-hmm. and then exactly. and yeah and you compare that to like some of these mothers it came up a lot during the college admission scandal but they were getting much longer prison sentences than you mm-hmm. know Laurie Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and all those yeah. rich white ladies because I feel like yeah like even um Anna Delby or Caroline Calloway like yeah they just they whole like part of their whole scam is just like using their privilege as a weapon yeah and all of these scams like as you've mentioned have been able to make careers out of their mm-hmm. cons and yes yeah, so like obviously you know they've all gotten their Netflix series they'll get money from that Caroline Calloway is like back being an influencer I'm not sure if she's on Instagram anymore she might only be on OnlyFans but she still uses her stories it. but she doesn't post yeah mm, yeah um and which is just really interesting because obviously profiting off a crime is like broadly illegal, but somehow they, these people find a way. But yeah, just Netflix documentary. Yeah, just, just be privileged and then you can make money off your crimes. Mm. Mm. And then the last kind of like serious topic I wanted to touch on was the urban myth of kind of the welfare queen in the US and also in Australia the dull bludger so the term welfare queen originated in the US in the 70s and it was kind of this motif of a usually black or some other racial ethnic minority woman who games the welfare system for her own personal profit so this could be by like lying about you know hardships that she hasn't suffered or by you know claiming to have more children in her care than she does that kind of thing um and I think it's a really like a really pervasive myth that kind of informs the way we think and it's just not based in reality like white people have always been the primary beneficiaries of the U.S. welfare mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but this idea is still used to justify like really heavy policing of benefits and what they get spent on. You know, as though someone, you know, a poor person having twenty dollars more a week is like destroying the fabric of our economy. Yeah, whereas like I feel like the real problem is like billionaires not paying tax exactly and like it's really politically similar in Australia like the idea of dole bludging and people taking advantage of Centrelink um, has kind of led to the piloting of things like cashless welfare cards to try and basically determine I suppose or dictate what people spend welfare payments on and it's like if someone would, was working that hard, exactly, to get some meagre amount of money from Centrelink, like, I don't know, let them. Like, it sounds like they're working for that money. you got to be on the phone for a long time. Yeah, Centrelink is no easy job. Yeah. Right. 
And I just feel like, yeah, like those those resources exist for a reason. Like, you know, like the society would collapse if we didn't have welfare. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's it's just crazy, like how disproportionately we focus like our attention and our resources on these kind of very like small petty levels of scams when yeah like billionaires are avoiding taxes all the time and if you just audited like one billionaire you'd probably make more money than if you made all welfare cashless you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hate the cashless welfare card it's so evil (sighs) all my girlies hate the cashless welfare card (laughs) And we have to close out, of course, with a discussion of the most iconic scamstress of all time, Joanne the Scammer. Joanne the Scammer. So I should look up the the creator's name. Is it Brendan Miller? I'm trying to think. Something like that. Let me look it up. So Joanne the Scammer, Brandon Miller, is a character created by Brandon Miller think the like messy blonde wig and the long fur coat please read the title of this article for us oh my goodness I must okay this was like my dream is to like have my PhD something like this scams heists and racial disidentification colon Joanne the Scammer at the intersection of queer of colour critique and digital blackness. This article uses a queer of colour critique analysis to argue that Brandon Miller's embodiment of Joanne the Scammer persona is a racially queer, disidentifactory practice embedded in the critique of whiteness and white supremacy. Of course she is. This is what I mean when I say bimbos be smart. It's so good. And basically, for anyone who's never watched a Joanne the Scammer video, just do yourself a favour and look it up. Um, Stop listening right now and go watch. Caucasian Living with Joanne the Scammer is like the quintessential one. It's so good. Um, And this article is so good because it has like screenshots and it's like figure two still (laughs) taken from Caucasian Living with Joanne the Scammer. It's so good. And basically, Joanne the Scammer is... Well, Brandon Miller is Puerto Rican to start off with. So he is not white, but Joanne as the character is Caucasian. And she is just always just talking about how she is Caucasian. So this paper describes her very well, I think. The ethnically ambiguous and self-proclaimed Caucasian Joanne wears blonde wigs, furs, and chain smokes Newport cigarettes while proclaiming her love for robbery and fraud. So good. I just imagine having to go to your like honest thesis meeting and defend using this tweet in your citations. Not so Caucasian tonight, bitch. On my way to the drug lord's house, little does he know under this is a blonde bob. Like, can you imagine? I fucking love Joanne the Scammer. And yeah, I I found this video where she's like, rating the scams in I care a lot and she was on TikTok like she's on Vine like she transcends platforms yeah so good anyway I just think it's really interesting this paper kind of goes into 
how by essentially using like white face and creating this white character it's satirizing our popular fascination with the idea of like rich white lady scammers so Mm. it's just it's really funny but it also gets to the heart of some some real issues you know yeah I feel like there's two sides you know like there's that really fun light-hearted like girl bossification vibes and then um yeah like the actual reality of it and the kind of dark underbelly is really disturbing um there's some crime stoppers resources about scam education that I can also put in episode notes if anyone wants to wise up and if you ever at work and you get a weird email asking you to enter all your passwords in, don't Just do it because it's a fishing Or forward it to Ava and she'll read it for you. No, I'm literally about, like, sometimes, you know when people check their emails? Like, I check my spam emails, like, to the same degree that I would, like, check my work emails. <laughs> I'm like, i got to check my emails this morning. I check my personal email, my work email, and I go and read my, my spam, spam. <laughs> I like to look in junk every now and then to see if anything like crazy has gone in there. I just, I like get so many crazy spam emails as well. And they always start with like, hello friend. I have very important. I'm like, what's important? What what is it? I get so sucked in when they say your name and they're like, hi, clear. As though I'm not putting my name in everything, like everything I ever log into. Yeah, and I like the ones where they're like, I'm crying, you must hear this message. <laughs> Business proposal. Oh, my God. Yeah, the ones from Wayne Buffett really get me. I'm like a victim of Wayne Buffett's related scam. <laughs> anyway. So good. Do you have a low-stake hot take? Elizabeth emailed me, no subject. Hello, can I please trust you? Of course you can. That's not a scam. <laughs> of course, Elizabeth. She's um, asking if she can trust you. Maybe you're the scammer. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the real thing. scam was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. My only one is probably one that you can't really weigh in on as a vegan. But I think that raw or almost raw meat is better than cooked meat. Oh, I agree. Um, I agree. Oh, thank you so much. I just Girls think can have a little blood as a treat. Literally, well, it's not even blood, it's hemoglobin, so it's fine. But like yeah. I just think, you know, curing something is just brings out the flavor so much better than cooking a lot of the time. Mm, I don't because I don't eat seafood ever. So I don't really can't really weigh in on like cured meat and stuff. Mm. I guess my low stakes hot take related to that then would be like I just don't think like a lot of women should be vegan and I don't think I don't think I don't think everyone should be vegan like I think you can you sometimes you need a tin of sardines you know sometimes a tin of sardines is what the body and the soul need yeah and not me though I wouldn't eat them but I'm sure somebody else out there like sometimes you actually do just need a bone broth okay Bill Gibson, mm. what are you gonna do? Sometimes Pete Evans is right. <laughs> Sometimes the, the way a broken clock, thing. the way a broken clock a is right, clock twice, is right a twice a day. 
Pete Evans, he was right. Like, you do need to activate your nuts, okay? It's really good for your digestive system. And, yeah, you actually do need a bit of bone once in a while. You do. Also, just speaking of, like, sardines, tinned fish, like, who it's is not doing me, their um, PR? Oh, it's that, I... um, it's that what's-her-name chick from Caroline Goldfarb. Literally, tin fish has tin become fish. so hot. It's at every wine bar. Like, you can buy artisan tin sardines. Like, I just want the PR agent for tin fish to, like, turn me around the same way, you know? Yeah, I I listened to this podcast called Sea Moss Girlies. It's actually Kate Kate Glavin's podcast. Oh, love Kate Glavin. And they yeah they talk a lot about um, tinned fish, hot girls eating tinned fish, like the tin fishification of hot girls, <laughs> or the hot girlification, <laughs> hot girlification of tinned fish. fish. Yeah, something to look into. Okay, my darling Cleides, unfortunately, past my bedtime. Yeah, I'm so ready for a slip. Enjoy your night in your fancy hotel. Thank you. Enjoy your night in your new home. I'm also, I will be in Canberra this weekend. So oh, lit. Okay, so on Friday, hold on, I'll stop the recording.